All right. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we will pick up in Exodus chapter 3. Father, we thank you this evening for an opportunity we have to close out this Lord's Day in your house, the opportunity we have to study the Word once again, to have the Spirit of God speak to our hearts and minds, and so we ask this evening, as humbly as we can, that you would open our hearts and minds and make us receptive to what we will learn this evening, something that we learn which will change our lives as it always does. The Word never returns void. We do pray tonight, Father, for these that have been mentioned, those that we have spoken about, and those, Father, that uh, are on our hearts and in our minds. We do ask that you would intervene according to your will, intervene physically, and obviously, Father, we pray tonight for the, for the spiritual growth and development of your people here at Flat Creek. We do pray for our students this evening as they're studying the Word. I ask that you would be with Brother Vance as he's teaching and for Word of Life as well. And Father, for whatever is accomplished tonight, we'll not forget to thank you and praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 3. We have some guests with us tonight. So just kind of to kind of uh, bring you up to date, uh, we teach and preach expositionally here at Flat Creek. So... Uh, we went through the book of Genesis, took us a while to get through the book of Genesis, and now we're starting into the book of Exodus. And we spent some time in chapter 3. I have reminded you that Genesis 3 and Exodus 3 are the, uh, two of the great pivotal chapters contained in the Old Testament. One talks of the fall of man, and tonight we're going to see uh, that God chooses a name for himself that Moses doesn't think of, none of us would have thought of, and one that is carried all the way through the New Testament. Now, what we begin tonight will take us several weeks to cover uh, because this is one of the highlights, one of the theological highlights contained in the Old Testament, and it's important because God is presenting himself to Moses as the great lawgiver. In the book of Genesis, he is the covenant maker. And those two are tied together with the name that the Lord chooses for himself. So I want to pick up this evening with verse 11. And I want to read through verse 15 of chapter 3. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, God said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, in addition, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And, he goes on, And this is my memorial to all generations. So I don't know if you have this marked in your Bible or not, but you ought to, because this is one of those great passages of Scripture, and 
obviously all scripture is inspired and inspired the same, but there are those obviously that carry the, uh, that speak to us in a way that we should be reminded year in and year out. So we closed out last Sunday night with some of these notes, and just to uh, follow up here, um, notice that in this particular passage that we've read in verse 12, the Lord says to Moses, I will certainly be with you, or of a certainty I will be with you. So Moses, one of the great attributes of Moses, and we looked at that last Sunday night in Numbers chapter 12, he talks about Moses meekness, not his weakness, but his meekness, his ability to be humble before literally hundreds of thousands of people and his ability to humble himself before God. So God, he responds back to uh, the Lord after the, the uh, image of the burning bush and what the Lord speaks to him in the first part of the uh, third chapter. Uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And so the Lord compassionately speaks to him with knowing about his conscience, his conscious weakness. And one of the things that we glean from this is God does not send anyone on errands without his power to perform whatever he has set them aside to do. And so for the remainder of chapter 3 into chapter 4, we're going to see this conversation take place between Yahweh, the covenant God, and what takes place with Moses. And Moses is, for the most part, he's pushing back. And the Lord is very patient with him until uh, his patient wears thin. And then he says, you need to do this or I'm going to take your life. And that kind of wakes you up, okay? It kind of takes your breath away, as it were. Next slide, if you would. <clears throat> so, this conversation is taking place here in the middle of chapter 3. Moses is calculating the difference now between who he is. Remember, he's 40 years removed from, it, from uh, Egypt. We said last week almost 15,000 days had passed since Moses was in Egypt. And so he's thinking about all this. And his calculation, his arithmetic, leaves out one element. He's thinking Pharaoh versus Moses. And obviously when it's ever... When the Lord sets us aside for a particular task, and it's us against the world, and sometimes, let's be honest, we think that way, then there's not much hope. But what we see here, obviously, is that it's not Pharaoh versus Moses, but it's Pharaoh and the I Am. So the exposition of God's name that we begin to see here in verse 14 should have calmed Moses' calculations. So one of the things that we, all should, we should always remember when we, when we come to these passages, we see them quite a bit in the, in the Old Testament because it's written, a lot of it is written in narrative form. So it's telling us a story about what's taking place. But the application uh, is to us here today that whenever, uh, I've heard it said that uh, God and, uh, and me 
or God in you, uh, is a majority, regardless of how many people that may be against us. And when we follow the direction of the Spirit of God, and we are powered, empowered by the Spirit of God, then we will always be stronger than any antagonist. Now, this morning we looked at the Word of God. We'll pick up on that again next Sunday. But one of the things I want you to remember is that the Word of God is not without controversy. And the Word of God is not without those that are antagonistic against it. That should not bother us in the least. It's always been that way. And we'll see that as we go through uh, these first few chapters of the book of um, Exodus. All right, so his calculation did not include, he didn't think about this question. Is God able to do it? Now remember, it had been quite a while since Moses, no, no doubt he'd been offering sacrifices, but here he's face to face. And we hear that, we were reminded of that several times as we go through the book of Exodus. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Speaking of the uh, type of priesthood that Jesus himself took on, the priesthood of Melchizedek, but let's look at verse 23. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing, okay? That it, was, it was temporary. All the prophets in the Old Testament, Moses included, temporary. Prophets in the New Testament, temporary. Apostles, temporary. Preachers today, temporary. We're here for a short period of time, whatever that time may be. And then the Lord calls us home. But the scripture says, he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Speaking of Jesus Christ. So yes, humanly speaking, all flesh is of grass. But we serve one who has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I preached this sermon many, many years ago. I don't know if you remember the Elam Home for Alcoholics, but I preached this when I was at uh, Liberty to um, a group uh, about the same size as we have t tonight, that God is able to save to the uttermost. And I, I remember a number of the men, because these are men that, that had uh, unfortunately, unfortunately given their lives over to alcohol. And many of them responded that night because God is able. He not only can, but he desires to do this. And that's all that's important for us to remember. Let's go back now to the book of Exodus. <clears throat> so in verse 13, Moses continues. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? All the gods of Egypt had names. All the gods of the Canaanites 
had names. And we will find in verse, uh, uh, in verse 8 and in verse 16, God reiterates the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he also says, I'm going to send you back to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. All of these pagan people, all of their gods had names. And heretofore in Scripture, the Lord had not expressed himself in a unique fashion. Now, we see the word Lord, we see the word God used a number of times up to chapter 3 of the book of Exodus. But here, this is God's name for himself. How does God reckon himself to us? This is how he does it. So in verses 14 to 15, which we read at the beginning here this evening, God said to Moses, notice he doesn't say, God said my name is. Doesn't say that. You introduce yourself, introduce yourself to these fine folk here this evening, and we speak and we come to know people. One of the first things we do is says, my name is, fill in the blank, my name is Ernie, my name is Mike, my name is Robbie. We fill in the blank. God doesn't do that. God doesn't say, oh, by the way, when you go back, tell them that my name is. He doesn't. What he says is, God said to Moses, I am who I am. In other words, you can't make up a name for me. This eternal existent one is the highest expression of Old Testament deity. It's so potent that Jesus himself would use it in the Gospel of John. And we're not going to look at those tonight. We will later on. Next slide if, we, if you would, brother. All right, so... Uh, the Lord said, okay, you ask me my name, and I'm going to tell you three things. He said, first of all, I am who I am. Remember, he did not say that that was his name. He didn't introduce himself to Moses and say, oh, by the way, my name is I am. In effect, Yahweh is saying to Moses, before you worry about my name, don't we get the cart before the horse quite often? And we quite often do this with the Lord. Well, you need to, to show me some things. The Apostle Paul said that, that the Jews demanded signs. In fact, Jesus said that. You always are demanding a sign. You're getting the cart before the horse. And before you worry about my name and who I am among the many gods of Egypt or Canaan, and before you attempt to conjure me with my name, I am that I am. First Kings chapter 18. Go with me there. This is the great story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And we learned this in Sunday school when we were children. It's been preached literally probably millions of times. So um, 
I want to, let's see, where I've got verse 20, but actually <clears throat> back up to verse 18. This is Elijah, uh, verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? That's a great name right there. Uh, as a pastor, as a teacher, sometimes it's okay to be called a troubler. Not that we go out of our way to do that, but when the word is proclaimed, when it's preached, when it's taught as it is in truth, it always convicts people. And people don't like conviction. We don't like to feel, <laughs> we don't like to feel bad about ourselves, okay? And he, uh, Elijah, answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house Y'all have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. There's a name. You followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashtaroth and he who, uh, who eat at Jezebel's table. So two actually series of deities. Okay, notice that he says you follow the Baals, plural. And you followed the, the uh, cult of Astaroth. So names, many, many names of the pagan gods. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you, will you falter between two op opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Now notice that the word for Lord is capitalized. So that is... Yahweh, that's the I am that I am. That's the covenant God that is presenting himself to Moses. And so what he presents to Moses now is begun to be carried through the remainder of the Old Testament. The Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Being good Americans, they said, well, well, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. Let's wait this out. So they didn't answer him a word. Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. There it is again, capitalized. I alone am left a prophet of Yahweh. I alone am left a prophet of I am. Now this is not true. And we find later on that the Lord chastises Elijah because of this. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, it is true in the fact that Elijah was the only prophet of Yahweh that was there. And then you have the prophets of Baal. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull. Lay it on the wood, put no fire under it. And you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, of the I Am, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. I'm going to call on the I Am, you call on the Baals, you call on the Astros, you call on, you know, Jimmy Dickens if you want, doesn't matter. Call on anybody you want to. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So they do speak up. They are hearing. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourself, prepare it for 
Uh, first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. What, what, what had happened prior to this? Why is <clears throat> they begin to pour water over the, the altar? Why is that? Why was water so precious in that day? You remember? Had not rained for three and a half years. We get upset if it hadn't rained in a month. Three and a half years. So it's dry. It's very dry. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called in the name of the Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. We're going to use his name. We're going to call for him because our gods answer his name. But there was no voice and no one answered. Then they leaped upon the altar which they had made, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Well, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. That phrase, he is busy, means he's gone to the restroom. Because the pagan gods were just demigods in human form. That's all they were. They were all fashioned in human form. So that's why he can say that. He doesn't say that about Yahweh. So they cried aloud. They cut themselves. That crying aloud means they spoke with, with static languages. We would call that tongues. They spoke with static languages. So pagans did that. Pagans did this long before it was ever mentioned in Scripture. They cut themselves, and as was their custom with knives and lances, until the blood cut gushed out of them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said, Come near to me, see all the, so all the people did, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, and said, Israel shall be your name. He built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar. They poured water on it uh, three times. They covered it up. And then he invokes, verse 36, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Jacob. Let me know this day that you are the God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, for this people may know that you are the Lord God, and you have turned your their backs, they have, uh, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. So Elijah invokes the I am. And Several times in the Old Testament, that's just one that, that comes to, uh, to the fore as we look at this. So, he says, before you conjure up my name, that's what we're looking at in 1 Kings 18. Secondly, if you're wondering if I'm the God of Abraham, be astonished by this. Not that I'm the God of Abraham, but I am that I am. I am who I am. I absolutely am. 
before you learn my name, learn about me. Learn about my being. And Moses, you need to go back to Sunday school. I'm going to send you on, on, on arguably the greatest uh, mission in the Old Testament. You need to learn who I am. Before you do all of this, before you rush out because I've commissioned you, spend some time learning who I am. How powerful is that? Before you learn my name, learn my being, I absolutely am. It's first foundational and it's of infinite importance. Secondly, he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Still, he has not yet given Moses his name. He is teaching Moses that his being not only is am, but his being is. Essentially, what we see here is you can't define God. You cannot say that God is like this. Now, we know from Scripture that there are attributes of God and so forth. We know about holiness. We know about love. We know about mercy. We know about grace. These certainly are attributes of God. They define who God is, but that is the am of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he simply states that his being determines his name. And he says, the one who absolutely is sent me to you. Now, we'll see that as it plays out between Moses and Pharaoh in the chapters that follow. And one more slide, I think, brother. Three things. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. And third, uh, he says, add this to it. The Lord, the Hebrew Yahweh, the God of your fathers, Yes, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob, but I have sent you to him. And notice, this is my name forever. It's not going to change. God's name when we are assembled in heaven, those of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as as believers, when we are assembled into heaven, God's name will never change. Now, it may be expounded upon and probably will be, but it's never going to change from what is revealed here to Moses. And this was done well over 4,000, if not 5,000 years ago, a long time ago. And so finally, God gives Moses his name. And that is the, the I am. In, your, uh, in our Bibles, the word I am, the second portion of that, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has uh, sent you. And then, of course, in verse 15, he says, this is my name forever. This is my memorial to all generations. And then he reiterates the covenant. So we are seeing here that what is translated Lord And notice you will see that the word Lord there is capitalized, and in English it's done, it is capitalized so that we recognize that it's the 
uh, Hebrew uh, YHWH. There are no consonants, or excuse me, there are no vowels in the Hebrew language. And so what you're seeing is a play in the consonants. And it's read, we read all language what? Left to right. Hebrew is read, uh, is read right to left. And the YHWH is structured from the word for I am that we see in the latter part of verse 14. Now theologians like to make up names, so one of the things that they call this is the tetragram or the tetragrammaton. And you may read, if you're in a commentary, occasionally you might come across this. Moses talks, uh, reiterates the tetragram, or that's the reference to YHWH. Or Peter is referencing the tetragrammaton, that is the, the verb portion of YHWH. So, we sang this morning, I'm going to close with this. We sang this morning, Alleluia's in the chorus, the first chorus that we sang. You remember that? Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. What's the last three letters of the word Alleluia? It's Yah. Alleluia, regardless of whether you spell it with an H or an A, is the same reading it forwards and the same reading it backwards. So literally it means praise Yahweh. And every time we see the word Lord, the capitalized word Lord in the English Bible, you should think this is a proper name, like Peter or James or John, from the word I am. And it reminds us each time, and it's found over 4,000 times in the Old Testament. And every time we read it, now, I've read it, read the Old Testament scores of times. You probably have too, and if you haven't, then you should. But every time we read that, we should be reminded that this is the word I am, the phrase I am. And it reminds us each time that God absolutely is. Now the next time we come together, we will go into to a little more detail because again, this is just like Chapter 3 of Genesis, when it talks about the fall, there's quite a bit more here. So what God is revealing, and remember now, he doesn't reveal this to Abraham, doesn't reveal it to Isaac, doesn't reveal it to Jacob, doesn't reveal it to Joseph. He reveals it to Moses. So God is selective in who he reveals these things to. And that's important as well. Any comments or questions this evening? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you absolutely is. <clears throat> that you...
or am. There is no beginning. There is no end. The New Testament talks about the Alpha and Omega, which is just an extension of what we've read here this evening. We know that you eternally exist. You are the eternally existent one. And again, as finite humans, we have a difficult time. We struggle with that. So tonight, I would pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what we've learned this evening and prepare us to receive the word yet again. What a great study this is. We thank you for moving on Moses' heart thousands of years ago to write this so that we would learn who you are. Bless, I pray, every family, individual, as they depart this place this evening and bring us back again. In Jesus' name we pray. 